The Zaslav Warner Brothers Discovery story is a microcosm of so many different things, including the broader struggle of legacy media companies in this moment in time. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Friday, December 8th. Today, I'm joined by Dylan Byers to talk about his visit to the Warner Brothers Discovery holiday party in Los Angeles, and how David Zaslav is thinking about this very tumultuous year as it comes to a close. Dylan also has the latest on Jeff Zucker and Redbird IMI's bid to buy The Telegraph in the UK, and why that effort is still on pause. We'll discuss all that and much, much more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Are you tired of sleeping hotter than hell? I sure am. I sleep hot. There's something crucial about sleep that eludes us when we're too warm, too uncomfortable, and too caught in the web of our own thoughts to drift off. And while curiosity fuels our days, science tells us that cool sleep recharges our nights. That's where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Meet the bed cooling system that elevates the quality of human life through cool sleep. The Chili Pad Bed Cooling System is your new bedtime solution. I love it. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Chili Pad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees, allowing your body to rest and recover. This isn't just about escaping the heat, it's also about optimizing your sleep for better health, more energy, and improved physical and cognitive performance, which I obviously need hosting a podcast. Chili pads are designed for one or two sleepers, so if your sleep partner likes to sleep at a different temperature, or you only need it for one side of the bed, that's okay too, and we know that's crucial. Plus, you can schedule automated temperature changes to trigger deep sleep. But when I'm at home, Chili Pad solves those problems. So trust me on this one. Visit sleep.me slash powers to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code powers. This offer is available exclusively for powers that be listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleepsleep.me slash powers because you're not just investing in better sleep, you're creating a better life. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the powers that be. I hope everyone is going to enjoy some holiday cocktails this evening. If I'm talking about cocktails and the holidays, you know I'm joined by Dylan Byers. <laughs> Dylan, I've been playing your Oscar Peterson Christmas album around the house. It just, it's delightful. It gets Thank you, you in the, the mood, tip. right? Yeah. It's funny. Like I'm not like <laughs> not like a jazz guy, but like around the holidays, man, I go all in on yeah. jazz. My, see, my jazz. most annoying quality is I am a jazz guy. I mean, so. That's, so, that's so on brand for you. <laughs> and um, like, I'm like an autumn, you know, I'm like an autumn sweater guy and I'm like, uh, you know, Christmas, you know, yep. cocoa guy. I'm all, I'm all the, I'm, there was an onion article once about like Mr. Autumn or something. Oh, it's, it's a legendary onion article. I revisit every fall. Mr. Autumn man walking down street with cup of coffee, wearing sweater yeah. over plaid collared shirt. <laughs> uh, dude, <laughs> and it's just like that is a just... white guy 
uh, just talking about all the delights of fall and the crisp, crisp October morning. Nothing beats autumn in New England. <laughs> that dude, I am, I am, I am so the LA version of that, and it is uh, of all my terrible qualities that that may be up there with the worst. I fall so hard for autumn, and I fall really hard for Christmas. Um, I'm with you, dude. Uh, just so people are aware, my response to Dylan when he asked for my recommendation was Kermit Ruffins, my boy from New Orleans, has a great Christmas album. Have a crazy cool Christmas, and lots of. Uh, New Orleans inflected songs uh, about the New Orleans Saints and, you know, Frenchman Street and all that stuff and the Treme. Dylan, uh, speaking of holiday parties and holiday cheer, maybe not cheer in this case, but you somehow smuggled your way into the Warner Brothers Discovery holiday party this week in Los Angeles at the Sunset Tower Hotel. I hope you had a martini there. Um, I did. Uh, I did. For, yeah, that's what you drink at Sunset Tower. That's what I get. Yeah. Last time I was with you, I was at the Sunset Tower, and I think both of us got martinis. having a martini. Um, <laughs> so, one, were there a lot of press invited to this thing? Uh, and two, um, you know, what were the vibes? WBD's stock is down. Obviously, David Zaslav, we talk about all the time, talking on this podcast, is you know making big changes, trying to cut costs. Uh, he's either a hero or a villain, depending on who you talk to in that universe. What were the WBD vibes heading into the holidays? Yeah, so to, to the first question, yes, this party is actually for the press, and it's the first in a gauntlet of media company Hollywood studio press parties uh, that happen both here in Los Angeles and in New York. And it is, you know, I try and think, like, what is the rationale for these parties? And I think in my most sort of optimistic interpretation, it is actually like, look, we are all sort of <laughs> adults ostensibly at the end of the day, and we should all be able to come together and have a good party and good on them on, on all of these companies for doing it. It's certainly a chance to get some face time with the top executives at these companies. And I, you know, I think some people sort of loathe uh, having to run that gauntlet. I actually, I, you know, probably because I'm a sucker for the holidays, uh, I actually enjoy it and I enjoy the FaceTime with these folks and I enjoy the sort of the sense that, you know, maybe for, for at least a moment in the year, we can sort of come together and talk about things outside of, you know, the stock price and the business plan and the P&L and all of that. And it's good. I think it's healthy. I, I have always, I've long been, I remember when I lived in Washington and, you know, my colleagues would moan about the, you know, the lack of moral clarity surrounding the White House correspondence dinner. I was always like, guys, it's a party. Just go get a martini. Enjoy yourself. Have fun. Life is short. And so I, I really look forward to this thing. I'm looking forward to going to the, the rest of them that I will be going to. And... Beyond that, I think it's a chance either, you know, for the media companies to sort of give a party favor to the trade press that sort of more or less just covers them in a, in a very sort of, you know, innocuous way. And then probably to extend an olive branch to, to those of us who are more critical more often. And... It's good. It's that would be, you. Good. That would that be, you. Might be, <laughs> be me. It might be our call. You're our dear not, friend Matt. You're the latter, not the former. <laughs> <laughs> our dear friend Matt, who was also there. So it's good. It's healthy. I like it. As for where things are for WBD, I find this very interesting. And the reason I'm sort of I'm writing about it this week, we're talking about it now, is partly because one executive came up to me and said, "What are you writing about this week?" And I will concede I took the liberty of, of 
taking a quick trip to Seattle for my father's birthday. So I answered, honestly, I don't exactly know yet. And then I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll just write about this. And I think this is a very interesting time to sort of take stock of where Warner Brothers Discovery is at. Because as you know, as I know, as everyone who uh, reads and listens and subscribes to us knows, the Zaslav Warner Brothers Discovery story is a microcosm of so many different things, including the broader struggle of legacy media companies in this moment in time. And we have been sort of obsessed with that business. We have been obsessed with Zaslav as a sort of character and a sort of archetype here. And if you look back on the year of 2023, it was unquestionably, just in terms of like his story and the sort of reputation of the company, it was unquestionably a bad, bad year. He started from a position of, I'm coming, I'm, I'm the new Hollywood mogul, I have a seat at the table, and uh, I have a great vision for how to run this company, and it's, you know... Uh, installing myself in Jack Warner's old office and I'm going to save Hollywood and I'm going to save the movie business. And you arrive at the end of the year after far too many profiles, the most recent of which was this New York Times uh, magazine profile, which made him effectively look like the face of everything that was wrong in Hollywood, right? And that he had sort of you know, alienated the creative community. He had alienated his friends. He had made a series of sort of you know, unforced errors and had also suffered amid the broader trends of the industry that everyone is suffering from, right? Like the weakening ad market um, that never seems to correct. Uh, the, the pressure of trying to move from a, you know, linear and box office business model into the streaming business model. All of, all of these pressures have sort of come crashing down on his shoulders and he is getting the blame for it in the stock is down. I haven't looked recently, um, but uh, presumably, I, I don't think I'll be wrong here, is probably down 50 or 60% since they merged these companies. So it hasn't been a good year. And it hasn't been a good year for not just WBD, but for like the Zaslov brand. Now, one takeaway I had uh, from conversations at this party and at other um, other conversations I've had is that 2024 is also going to be a very bad year, or it is at least going to be an uncertain year in the ad market in terms of this larger business model pivot. Things are going probably going to get worse before they get better. And I think that all of the executives are sort of girding for that and sort of know, are sort of anticipating that reality. And then I think they're looking past 2024 and seeing perhaps on the horizon a time in which things sort of level out and correct and they're anticipating consolidation both you know right now there's some bundling that's happening in terms of how streaming services are being offered but i think more broadly there will be consolidation down the line somebody will buy paramount it may very well be zaslov and there's a sense that when they get through this storm there are going to be a handful of media companies left from Hollywood, who can compete with Amazon, Apple, Netflix. And I think despite all of the criticism, despite how far down the stock is, I think the folks at WBD still believe that they are in a position, despite everything, where they could ostensibly have a seat at that table. And I think the one thing that is going to change is we. I think we've finally arrived at the end of this moment where 
you know, uh, the obsession with David Zaslav and like the question of whether or not he's, you know, sort of a visionary turnaround artist or he's like, you know, uh, the face, the face of everything that's wrong with Hollywood. I think we finally arrived at a moment where we can just accept that everyone is in this shit storm. Zaslav is in this shit storm. Iger is in this shit storm. Even Brian Roberts, to some degree, although his business is different, is in this shit storm. And now it's just a question of like, how are they going to weather it? And they're going to weather it together. And I, I, I don't think there are any more good guys or bad guys here. I just think there are people who have sort of been dealt a shit hand and are trying to work their way to come out on the other end. And I'm sort of, you know, I'm eager to see how they navigate 2024. I'm more excited to see what they do after that in 2025. All right, Dylan, when we come back, I want to ask you about a Zaslav adjacent story, which is Jeff Zucker's push to buy the Telegraph. Hey, Powers That Be listeners, I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated list of gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. I use Etsy all the time and have for years. I bought my brother some artwork. I bought my wife some jewelry. I even bought a rug for our living room on Etsy. I love it. But there's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for friends and family members around the holidays or birthdays in my life. And sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with gift mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for a buddy who's just as into Cincinnati sports as I am, a hot cup of Joe, Joe Burrow mug. That's right, I found that on Etsy, it's amazing. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic, try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to The Powers That Be, everybody. I'm joined by Dylan Byers. We're not going to talk about Christmas in this segment, I promise. Uh, Dylan, you know, it's been a, this is a kind of a interesting, it's, it's both like a slow moving story and a fast moving story at the same time, but we haven't had an update on this podcast in the last few days about Jeff Zucker, uh, Redbird's push to basically acquire the Telegraph and some of the 
challenges it's facing both from opponents slinging mud, according to Jeff, you know, but also the Tory government raising concerns that, you know, their cherished right of center media organization might be taken over by nefarious foreign entities. What's the latest? Yeah, so two, you're right. To, it, it is simultaneously a fast and slow moving story. So this review that the deal, which is now under review by regulators, we won't have clarity on anything until January. But at the same time, there are things that are sort of notable about that review. One, uh, the news this week is that the regulators are going to be asking for texts and WhatsApp communications from Redbird IMI. So mm-hmm. yet again in his career, I don't know, you know that this keeps happening for all different sorts of reasons. Yet again, Jeff Zucker is going to be forced to sort of hand over his phone. And what they are going to be looking for are texts, messages, whatever, between Zucker and the the folks in Abu Dhabi to sort of see if there is any evidence of some nefarious design to influence UK, you know, UK politics or culture in, in you know, again, in some nefarious way. I don't see that. Again, I, I you know, I sort of default to this position that no matter where the money's coming from, that this is actually more of a straightforward business deal reflecting, yes, uh, Sheikh Mansour's interest in sort of expanding his global business empire, but also just like Jeff Zucker wanting to get back into the media game. And mm-hmm. I don't, I, I will perhaps I will be eating my words come January, but I don't anticipate that they're, you know, they're going to unearth some text messages between Zucker and Sheikh Mansour that that say, you know, like, you know, here's our chance for, you know, for corrupting British politics. I don't I don't see that happening. In any event, it's a huge inconvenience that it's never it's never great, I, I you know, to have to hand over your phone and have your text messages be reviewed. Yeah. Um, certainly, I can't think of anyone who would want that to happen. But as, as much as I sort of give Redbird IMI the benefit of the doubt here, the other media moguls who have taken interest in the Telegraph do not. And and so the other interesting thing that happened this week was Matthias Doffner at Axel Springer gave an interview to uh, Semaphore, I believe, in which he effectively opened fire on the Zucker bid. He said that it would be incredibly problematic for someone from a, a nation that does not have the same Western democratic values that, um, say, the UK, or in Matthias's case, Germany, uh, or the United States does. And I don't know whether that's, you know, how that influences the official review, but it it is interesting here to have revered, respected media moguls such as Matthias, who, who has made a very big point about sort of wanting to build Axel Springer into the leading news organization for the democratic world, sort of making this point. And so the the headwinds for Zucker now fee- are, are starting to feel stronger and stronger, at least in terms of the court of public opinion. And again, I'm not sure how that influences things in terms of the actual regulatory review, but it is becoming sort of, you, you do feel it becoming a sort of more uncomfortable environment for Zucker in terms of his effort. Do you have a sense, and John has sort of talked about this on Media Monday, but do you have a sense of what Zucker's ambitions are for the telegraph like any specifics um or is it just more like scaling it and creating more digital products 
Well, so I, I, I always like to, you know, I, I get sort of in a big froth over like trying to game out what the most ambitious version of this could be. And so it's always useful when other folks get in my ear and pour cold water on it and say like, no, he's buying the telegraph because nothing else was for sale. And so the telegraph was the only thing available to him. And actually, despite what you've written, it's not going to be that easy to turn around a British newspaper and turn it into like a global media force. Those folks might very well be right, but uh, Zucker is nothing if not ambitious. And I do think that Everyone from Matthias to Rupert Murdoch to uh, Lord Rothmere to Paul Marshall, like everyone who has looked at the Telegraph has been interested in it because of the promise of international expansion and the promise of claiming, which I know you and John talked about, that that open lane that is the center right. And I think Mm -hmm. the easiest way to think about this is at the very least, could you turn the Telegraph into a sort of New York Times of the center right. And uh, certainly I would like to think there's demand for that. And then even more broadly, you know, I think there are th- other things to think about. Like what what would that business be in a world if Trump was reelected, right? Mm-hmm. And what would that business be in a world where Trump was not reelected? And would it be even more influential in that world? And... What does that mean in a world where perhaps Rupert Murdoch is no longer with us and perhaps Lachlan doesn't want to continue running Fox and the Wall Street Journal? And is there, you know, is there even more opportunity for for Redbird IMI to sort of expand its influence over the entirety of right wing media? Uh, I don't these are all really sort of engaging fever dreams um and i don't know that any of them will come to pass but i don't think that you go into buying the telegraph without sort of thinking about some of these potential opportunities that will come years down the line yeah it's interesting to think about and i'm dumb for not thinking about this but like in a world without rupert like is news corp destabilized and you maybe give jeff credit for looking around the corner and being like okay like yeah you know in a few years here's a here's an opportunity that's interesting i mean but just but wait but like just just so our our uh, everyone listening is clear what we're sort of hinting at here and again let's put this in the like long like if you're in vegas the futures on this are like let's call it 500 to 1 but what we are sort of intimating here is like could jeff zucker run fox news <laughs> which is a really fun <laughs> thing to think about for me anyway do you think he would I think one useful thing to remember when thinking about the media, as much as we seem, you know, everyone thinks they know what Fox is and what, like, these things can change pretty quickly depending on the political landscape and then depending on who's running these companies. And these are all, as much as we sort of take for granted, you know, certain, there are certain truisms, right? We, we, we think that Fox News is just this batshit crazy right wing media organization um, that also has Brett Baer. Uh, in, in fact, like, yeah, like maybe Lachlan doesn't want to run that thing. And maybe, you know, maybe they do put it up for sale. And maybe the people who can offer the most money for it might be the people in Abu Dhabi who have a shit ton of money. And maybe maybe there's a greater market for something that is not catering to like the MAGA universe. And yeah, maybe there's, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's, um, It's not outside the realm of possibility, as crazy as it sounds. New story idea for Dylan. All right, buddy, enjoy the weekend. (laughs) All right, man, you too. 
Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you on Monday. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Bob Tabador, and Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck.